Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. We are still out at the Here We Still Stand conference in San Diego, put on by 1517. We were uh, fortunate to be able to come out here to live record yesterday, and we're taking full advantage of being out here at the conference to get some other episodes and interviews done with people who are attending while we're here. We are uh, very excited to be joined again by someone who's become a, a rather frequent guest. I think this brings him up to four episodes, which probably puts him in at least third place uh, for most appearances. I, I'm guessing he's chasing Dr. Brown and Pastor Dobler. Yeah, I'm guessing he can't get past Dobler and Brown, I don't think, right now. But, uh, but I, I get guys. a better response. Absolutely. Well, and um, we <laughs> we already we already have established the uh, um, the that you have the best laugh of all of our guests in the podcast. So. Um, this is, yeah. And so our guest, guest is, uh, and, and best mustache. You can't best mustache see it, right now. Yeah. We should snap a picture of that and so you can see it. Um, yeah. So our guest is uh Brewer Erickson. Uh, he's, uh, best known to our listeners probably for his work with Bo Geertz. And we're going to discuss some more of his uh, work that he's done in translating Bo Geertz. So sorry, I, I robbed your introduction. Yeah. We have done uh, two episodes with Brewer on works by Geertz that he's translated. And we might get a little more general in some today because I think there's plenty more we can just unpack with Garrett specifically, or in general. But specifically, uh, we'll be sure to be plugging and talking a little bit about um, Garrett's commentary on Romans. This is you're going through these translations so quick. Is this still the newest one out, Brewer? Nothing else has come out yeah, yes, since then. It currently, next month this might change, but currently I am working on sermons. And they'll probably be out in the spring or something. And I know you had a little fun getting to translate some buyer um, for a conference in Norway as well, which uh, I'm, I really still need to to read that. Um, I have I didn't get to I don't know that I got to hear that on the video yet, if the audio is up for that or not. But I I yeah, would I, love to hear it. Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because then we were going to publish what I translated, and then buyer decided he wanted to uh, expand and improve and asked that I don't publish what I had translated, uh, but here's this uh, more expanded version. So, uh, And I haven't gotten to that yet because I, I've got other deadlines I <laughs> yeah. need to work with. Well, we'll be looking forward to that, and when it comes out, I'll try to remember to throw something on the website to let everyone know. Um, so we're hoping to talk Bo Geert's commentary on Romans uh, with the renowned translator, Broer Erickson, and with that being said, Peter, would you like so to So renowned us that I've actually I've actually witnessed a few people come up to him and shake his hand and say, thank you very much for this. This, is, this has been wonderful I've just seen in that the last well. couple of days. So. I've seen that as well. Um, Peter, why don't you get us a disclaimer and then we'll get into This our, show uh, doesn't topic. speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live freely, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
And we're back with our free-for-all where we wrestle with life's pressing questions and try to answer them once and for all. But we're actually not going to wrestle with questions so much today as just kind of tell you about what we're doing out here in sunny San Diego uh, at the Here We Still Stand conference in 2018. Um, this is my first time out here, so I won't, uh, I'll, I'll give you my impression a little bit later, but I'll let these other guys talk about it a little bit first. They know better what's going on here. But uh, if you're interested in what in what it is and you want to get the information straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, go to 1517.org and look under conferences and they'll have the Here We Still Stand, um, might be abbreviated HWSS. Um, and uh, you can find all the conference information there. And, uh, you know, I don't know, probably on their Facebook page or something, you can find information where, wherever. But uh, instead of uh, going to official sources, let's get it from uh, from Broer and uh, and Wade here. So Broer, this, is this your first time at Here We Still Stand? Or? No, I was here last year, too. Okay. And is this the second time? Is this only the second year they've done it? Or Yeah, yeah. the big yeah. one the big was, one was, I believe, last year for the 500th. And I was not at that one, but it... It was even bigger. Was I think they not that there weren't as many people that wanted to come to this one, but they limited the number a little bit more this time. But that one was quite the, was, the showing. Yeah, it was big. It was big last year. A few more people. Um, so and yeah, so I mean, obviously, just I, I guess we could maybe point this out. I know we've mentioned before, but fifteen seventeen obviously is a reference to the um, the date that we oftentimes use is the marking of the beginning of the, the Reformation in the Western Church, and that's going to be the, you know, Luther nailing the 95 theses. So now we're in 20, uh, in 2018, so you go back 500 years, and we, uh, you get the Heidelberg Disputation, so we've been talking a lot about that, hearing people talk mm-hmm. about that. So, um, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts, Brory, being the, a veteran of this, and um, what, a, what, a, what do you think we're, we're doing here? What are they doing here? Why do they let you come? (laughs) (laughs) I do not know. Um, Evidently, some people thought this was a family-friendly event, and and so they they brought children this year, and and, 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 like you know. But the people in the know, they knew Brewer was going to be here. So (laughs) 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 no, it's it's a totally family-friendly event. I love kids. parents or sometimes no <laughs> <laughs> kids are in the problem i am a kid uh no it's uh yeah I, that's one difference i i think that i've noticed a few a few more of the the little ones running around yeah there's that, a number of families i think that, i think it adds something to it it makes yeah. it nicer yeah. yeah i think it was adam morton's little <laughs> yeah, one that yeah, yelled yeah, during yeah, well, uh, I mean, Zal's yeah. presentation so so adam morton he was a, he's a guest on a, on a previous recording we did here and will probably come out before that so if you're if you're a listener you've probably already heard adam's voice and he has a son who's uh three years old and during uh, a talk this afternoon uh the the lecturer says so they asked me to come here and speak about culture and that was all the farther he got into his his uh, uh explanation and Adam's son says, yay! <laughs> and so uh, the, the speaker, without missing a beat, says, I'm glad you're, or he, well, actually, he thanked him first, said, thank you, John. I'm glad you're so excited about culture. <laughs> and, and now he's quite the celebrity uh, around the, the conference. You've, you've got to uh, take in a fair amount of the conference, and all of us have been in for different uh, presentations or things. Anything that's really stood out to you so far? Well, uh, yeah, actually, I, I kind of missed um, most of the lectures, uh, but uh, because I'm not here to, 
telling, uh, I was telling you, uh, they they don't they don't take Brewer to these conferences for him to you know go to the lectures. I, I'm supposed to, to you know I I don't know. I mean I think it's just a. A job that sort of fell in my lap, I drink beer with people. <laughs> <laughs> and let me say, Broer is fantastic at his job. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and that's one of the things with, with you know, conferences like this in general. And you know, I've been to a, a handful. I'm sure you both have been to way more. But theological conferences, and you get together, and you can talk theology with people that you agree with, you know, and people that you don't agree with. And you just get to have this fun conversation. And there's this, this space that's created for that. And sometimes it does feel like the lectures get in the way. Not to say the lectures are bad. Every lecture I've been to has been has been really great. It's been it's been a lot of a lot of fun. But the conversations are also great. And so you just kind of, kind right, of always right. wish you could have, you could just stretch it out to twice as long as what they have allotted. I it, saw, I saw David Zoll's lecture this morning. And I thought that was great. Good reference to the good place on, on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Um, Zoll usually is pretty good. And I, uh, he, someone's alarm is, or yeah. horn is going off outside our room here. Hopefully no one uh, is in danger, but he has a new book, I believe, coming out that he mentioned seculosity or something like that. So it's largely tied to that, but... Yeah. um, Mashing up the words secular and religiosity. Yeah, so, and yeah. I, I've really enjoyed Dave Saul's uh, Law and Gospel book, and so I'm looking forward to seeing this. But I, I'll agree um, with you two as well that one of the, the fun things, and this is my first time out here, uh, has been to put... Um, f- you know, voices and personalities to faces that we've interacted with through the network or people who've interacted with us because of the podcast. And uh, the conversation really, I mean, you can walk around and it's pretty hard not to fall into a good conversation with someone. Um, you can hear Broer from just about anywhere. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's been fun for that. And I, I thought today um, I was, I believe I made it to, to all the lectures today and and all of them had something that was very worthwhile. We had yesterday, Brewer and John Plus were on with us on the podcast. And we were talking Herman Sasa, and this may well come out before that does because Probably, that recording yeah. was done by fifteen seventeen. So Peter doesn't have that to play with. Um, that's uh, that's their baby. Um, but uh, but they're going to give it. Give me the file. Give us the files, right. and then we'll put it out. But so we were privileged to have um, John and Brewer on yesterday, and then. Uh, John had a very good presentation today connecting the Heidelberg Disputation and the developments of uh, the catechisms. Um, Steve Paulson, I thought, was really good on the Heidelberg Disputation and dispelled a lot of the mischaracterizations out there about the theology of the cross. And and Zoll was just good. I I felt like uh, I should just quit teaching ethics because it stole a bunch of my material I use in there, (laughs) uh, which I'm sure he came up with long before me. But the idea of... We're always looking for that thing that will be enough, and we, we basically end up ruining a lot of things because we look to them to be the thing that will be enough rather than uh, something we get to enjoy as a uh, as a child of God. So enjoyed the lectures today. It's been good food. I can't complain yeah, about the food. Food's yeah, great. Wonderful food. I had my first ever fish tacos. Um, really? Yeah. I didn't first even know ever. what, uh, what was that called? Mahi? Yeah, Mahi? it's dolphin. No, it's not. You're messing with me. It's dolphin. I don't believe you. Is it? It's not dolphin. Yeah, you're gonna look it up in the break, aren't you? I am going to. <laughs> um, but uh, that's all right. I I aren't, was eating tuna fish in the '90s. I've probably eaten plenty of dolphin. Wasn't that like a big crusade <laughs> yeah, back then? Yeah. But um, aren't fish tacos wonderful though? Yeah, yeah but it's been is. it's been enjoyable and and just uh, 
I mean, the number of people that we've had on that we get to see again or that we would like to have on, um, that we have plans to have on. Uh, Valerie Lockler is here, and we've been talking for a long time about getting her on for apologetics. It's interesting yeah. that she actually is in Wisconsin with us uh, about <laughs> we, 40 minutes away, and this is when we actually meet in person for the first time. Yeah. Um, no, so we decided that we'll wait. We'll wait and try to record with her up in Wisconsin. But we've actually we actually talked about like, well, but we haven't done it yet, so maybe we should do it here. Yeah, so. and I think some background maybe for people too is, uh, Broer and I we've mentioned I think in the previous episodes had worked together for quite a while at, with Magdeburg Press uh, in a publishing house where we really tried to put out some translations and, and do things that people weren't necessarily doing at that time. And and one of the blessings was, uh, Broer, uh, I think going to Concordia, Irvine, and having some connections out here, and then people you had known since through work, really said, uh, you know, Wade, you should be talking to these guys over here. And uh, really good conversations with Steve Burns, who I think has been a great blessing to both of us. We've, we're hoping to get Steve on sometime to talk about the publishing here that they do with New Reformation and 1517 stuff. And uh, and so Broer really is what got me going with A, um, 1517 taking over the Magdeburg Press books and and being able to ensure that they're going to be out there long term and and uh, which includes the Geertz book then Fall the Lord's Fire and the Sasa book Witness, um, but then next thing you know I've got two books out with them as well and Bro and I both uh, you you'll notice blog posts that we're writing, and so that that really goes back to previous work and then we we kind of fell into. Uh, a thing that's been, I think, a, a blessing for both of us and being able to get things we think are important out there. And so it's just a, a joy to me to see these Geertz books that Broer's been working on and that they make their way out and that 1517 really does a good job promoting these things. They're very dedicated to the books and to their authors. Um, and and so it's it's good to see. Um, and it's it's I and you can maybe comp- uh um, comment on this, bro, but it's interesting to see the people those books end up in the hands of, too. You come to a conference like this, and, and you meet people, and they're they're thanking you for something you've worked on, and it's, you know, it's not just this academic thing that, you know, some seminarians or a no. pastor's reading, but it, I don't want to say that we should feel vindicated, but, uh, but I think it has been encouraging, at least, to see that um, both of us have thought, you know, there's a need for um, these types of things out to people and to see it's maybe reached people we wouldn't have expected and that it's not just reached them, but it's it's really resonated in a deep way with them. Anything you have with that, Brooke? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's one of the, you know, the great things here is you run into people that, you know, maybe you exchanged a couple of emails with them or something like that, but, you know, then they're here, you know, and they're shaking your hand and you get to put a face to, to their name and, and uh you know it yeah the the people that you know that 1517 is able to reach with with this material is great um it really uh you know i i can't talk up 1517 enough in my mind like i i just you know a lot of these guys were uh you know my friends from college too but um you know, to, to to see you know what 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 we're doing now, and and I, I, that's one of the things I like about the conferences. I get here and I get to see, you know, I, I get to see what we're doing. You know, because you kind of you, you, 
you don't get to always see what's what's going on with your work, and that's one of the things. No, it's great. well, it's nice to. I mean, I'm guessing you as an as an author and translator and, and appreciate it when you when someone comes up to you and is able to shake your hand and say thank you for that because you know people are out there reading it, but it's just nice to kind of you know have that that right. affirmation and and then have those conversations that are sparked and you know that that labor of love uh, you know that went into translating, which is certainly not an easy task. All of a sudden, they, that you see some of that reward and that. You know, same thing, I guess, with podcasting. We've had a number of people come up to us and say, thanks. I really, you know, really like your podcast, River. And, you know, we don't, a lot like an author, you put it out there and, you know, people consume it on their own, independent of you. And so you don't, you don't see that, you don't have that, that feedback always. Um, Even, even this day of, you know, email and electronic communication, you just don't always, always get that. So it's nice to have. And it's, you know, part of the fun of it too is, and and they've been really good with us um, with the podcast, me with books too, is. You know, you've got Brewer, who is a uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran, and, and we, who are Wisconsin Synod Lutherans, um, you've got a, a big collection of people. I, 1517 is definitely Lutheran in focus. I mean, the mm-hmm. the movers and shakers are predominantly Lutheran. Um, but it's not, uh, they're very open to, uh, we're Wisconsin Synod Lutheran, and that's what we are, and, and we do the podcast from that, and, and to give us a platform for that. And, and with the work you do, it's not... Uh, this is not to get anyone into one institution or thing, but it's it's people who have a nose for the gospel, and when they hear someone doing it, that they want to get it out there. And, and I, you know, it's it's kind of like if you happen to stumbled into the local newspaper, it says, "Hey, we've got a great platform. We've got this many readers, and we'd like to to put your sermons in there." Um, and we don't really want anything from you. We just want people to hear the gospel and you go okay you know that sounds like a you know a, a, a not bad thing and uh right and i think it's it makes events like this i think for i mean bro we've known each other for years and i mean in person we've seen each other maybe a handful of times maybe two or three at fort wayne yeah. i know Ooh, yeah one time you were at fort what were you what were you doing there uh, i was at symposia for fun yeah <laughs> That was back. That was old school Fort Wayne, and uh, before it became the, uh, right, the well, Eastern well, Wing of the Republican Party. But what was I doing there? Yeah, and, uh, I think they hadn't changed the bylaws yet. And uh, but um, we, uh, you know, to be able to connect at a thing like this, and and uh, to have people who have common academic interests, but also people that um, appreciate uh, the church history that we have as Christians, uh, um, the work that people have done as like Geertz or, um, you know, things that others have done, the Virgin in the Wasteland guys, you know, Dan Van Voris with, yeah. with Arndt and, and I mean, it's kind of, you got a little bit of thinking fellows who managed to stay to, to 45 minutes every episode. Um, that was the most challenging part of the live recording was this Absolutely, and for them it was just just routine. I right. think they probably picked the time that how long each of those podcasts needed yeah. to go. They they didn't even ask us how long they should. And go. And you know the the, <laughs> the thing was we could have had Brewer and, and and John just keep going forever oh, on I know. Sasa. There was a lot there. What um maybe we've talked about this in an earlier episode, but maybe just to refresh our our listeners' memory, Brewer, uh, two things. Maybe if you can tell us a little bit why Geertz, and and you don't have to to. Do too much if you don't feel like it, but just uh, imagine a 
we've got a new listener, and, and, and we do have a number of new listeners now that maybe haven't heard the other episodes yet. Um, we will you, link to them in the show notes. So yeah, um, but, you can go to letthebirdfly.com and, and check out the show notes there in your podcatcher. You can look at episode notes as well. But in case they so, don't want to pause this and then go absolutely, back yeah. a little bit. But just why, saying it's out there. I get you, Peter. I get you, man. <laughs> um, but why Geertz and then uh, maybe uh, why Geertz on Romans, anything that... I, or why Romans even, uh, you know, wherever yeah, you would like yeah, to go with the book. Yeah, so... Well, this is interesting. Um, Geertz, I mean, the reason is because the guy was brilliant. Um, he, uh, he was he was really just a brilliant theologian, and all he cared about was lay people. And I think that's where I really love Geertz, because he was really concerned about communicating the gospel to the average Joe. Um to, to or the average Bjorn, the average Bjorn, um, Thor, Thorveld, <laughs> um, Sven. Uh, no, the uh, he, he, you know, I, I was, I'm getting ready for some other lectures on him, and I, I was reading about his his time in in uh, early on as a vicar, and uh, you know he he went to a small town. Well, it wasn't vicar; we would say vicarage, but it, mm-hmm. for him, it was sort of a couple years at the beginning um you know and 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 he learned how to talk to farmers it said you know and and that he was interested in that he was interested in i don't want to say the average joe i mean that's kind of uh maybe demeaning almost but uh you know he, he wanted to talk to lay people in terms that lay people understood because he cared about them uh not as average joes but as people and he realized that they needed the gospel so he was brilliant at doing that, uh, and and he he stayed out of you know he he just he was very academically capable, uh, extremely academically capable, uh, which you see uh, in his books like with my own eyes and and so on, um, but he he didn't want he wasn't there trying to show off his his academics chops to anybody, he was really just trying to build the church um communicate to to god's sheep bring them around give give them the gospel that they needed yeah. and uh you know that that's something that's sometimes missing from from a lot of theological papers and i'm not going to say other theologians don't care about the laity um but i think sometimes they they get a little abstract in their thinking and the, the laity isn't their focus yeah one of the one of the topics or i don't know just even words that that comes up in the podcast a lot is is being pastoral and um we highlight that when we think it's important and obviously wade and mike are both academics but they're also both pastors or or were i don't you we know, were really, parish pastors parish pastors. still ordained no one's washed it off yet that i know of but yeah um, i'm joking i don't believe ordination is an indelible gift that can be <laughs> no but the but understanding that there is a distinction there and that's not to say that you know um theologians that that aren't pastoral either by nature or by design uh, there's there can be huge value there still um and we oftentimes look at more at least i think individually we oftentimes look at more uh, academic theology um but pastoral theology i don't mean that in the necessarily in the seminary sense of you know pt taking those classes but 
theology that past that's really important to pastors and that really makes them pastoral we would say that's something and that's when you read Gertz I mean I I agree you just can't it just it drips off the page for you and I mean you can tell this is a man who loved sinners because he knew he knew the balm for that right he had yeah. that and and he wants to share that so it's it's interesting to hear that you know he's going out and said I got to learn how to talk to farmers right right yeah because yeah. they they need this <laughs> yeah yeah well, you know, it was funny, though, because on that occasion, the farmers, uh, you know, he, he learned how to talk to farmers, but the farmers taught him the gospel. Uh, and that was, a, you know, kind of a strange thing. You know, you can't imagine it. Geertz grew up as, as an atheist, and then he had a conversion experience early on in med school. Um, and uh, I shouldn't say experience, but he, he kind of came to the knowledge that there was a God. Um, but even Geertz would say, I, I wasn't yet a Christian. Um, mm-hmm. I believed in God. I believed God existed, but I wasn't yet a Christian. Um, and uh, he, he, uh, he was very hung up on, on moralism. And he, 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 you know, the moral rearmament movement was, was a big part of him. And, you know, and that influence never leaves because he's always he's always going after like the four absolutes of moral rearmament uh, you know absolute honor integrity or um absolute love uh so this was a swedish movement this moral rearmament actually it was it was a oxford movement oh okay so it's connected to the oxford movement and okay. yeah they just called it moral rearmament up there huh uh, it was funny cuz uh, another book that i recently read called ice um by a Finnish author and I'm, I'm for Lena something or other. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny because, uh, the pastor's wife takes great pride in having killed the, killed the moral rearmament movement, uh, in <laughs> Finland early on because, uh, well, it was, it kind of got into a pietist conventicle thing. And, and, uh, you know, the pastor was about ready to confess sexual, uh, well, not that he had actually had any sexual sins to confess, but uh, he was going to confess all his lustful thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in a book. Yeah. Shared. <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea to do that. Uh, but yeah, you know, so she uh, she killed it because it was all surrounded around this this her husband pastor. And uh, she kind of threw it off. But that's another story. Bo Geertz was into this uh, for a long time and actually preached as, as somewhat of a, a youth leader, um, this moral rearmament, this, you know, absolute integrity, absolute love uh, sort of thing. So this was his entry, and when he enters into the church, this is where you, yeah. you find him. But then, does like so, you said, he does that always kind of hangs, hangs on. He hangs on to that a little bit, right? Well, because when he's going to preach sin... Um, he's going to, as, as one of his influence, Hortau would say, I'm not interested in whitewashing tombs. And, and what he meant by that is I'm not going to preach about sins that you can actually get rid of. Like if I preached against smoking, you know, people can give up smoking. Non-Christians give up smoking. Uh, if I was going to preach against uh, drinking, um, you know, not that these things are sins, but they're made out to be sins and yeah, people yeah. preach against that's it. what that's what Monday's for. You're going to give those things up and you do it on Monday. Uh, yeah. Um, they uh, you know, you, you you preach about these things that the people can actually give up. Uh, you know, they can make a break with it and they don't necessarily have to be a Christian to do it. Um, you know, non-Christians give up pornography, too. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, that, you know, to actually talk about a sin that's a sin, um, you know, and so, but, you know, he's going after these, these, these sort of internal uh, sins of the soul, maybe, if you want to make it that classification, where, uh, you know, you wake up and you realize you're still a selfish SOB, um, and, and uh, you, you really can't and, and the reason he wants to drive at those sins that you can't do anything about is to show you why you needed Christ. Um, and, and that's the thing, because, you know, a lot of the external sort of things that, that, you know, people find to be sinful or whatever become the topic of a sermon, you know, you just shouldn't pick your nose or whatever. Um, you know, you, you find out rather quickly that, you know, you, you can... You can do that, and then you think you're and the author of your own salvation. And then you've moved beyond your name for Christ, yeah. Right. No, I mean, it's, and it's the difference between preaching against sins and preaching against sinfulness, and yeah. that's the, you know, the condition that, that we can't escape. Um, right. And, I mean, sometimes you need to preach against sins, actual sins, yeah. too, but... No, but if, it's, if that's all it is, then you, you run right. the risk of, right. you know, giving them their checklist. And, and you know, what, what Geertz, you know, one of the things that led to his understanding of the atonement then was... Um, that that he had been preaching these four absolutes uh, so much with the with the youth movement uh, where he went to like every school in Sweden and and preached to these kids in Sweden 500 to 5,000 at a time if you didn't have room for for at least 500 he didn't show up um, it, and he does this for almost uh, a, two years I think a year and a half or something like that um, and and then he's you know and he's in the parish and you know the people are like yeah you know your sermons you're 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 not bringing them home pastor you're not bringing and finally he he starts hearing and and for him while they're saying this he's coming to the conclusion that he has no right to call himself a christian if being a christian means uh victory over these these sins uh, because he has not he has not conquered them himself and here he's trying to tell everybody else to do it and he's not doing it um and uh you know so then you know they they bring home the gospel they were all rosinians uh and and they bring home the atonement to him because rosinius uh pietist as he might have been uh he really had this strong emphasis on atonement in his preaching um, which in Sweden, pietism and piety, uh, pietists are not necessarily what we uh, in the old synodical conference sort of understanding of pietism was. Uh, when we say pietism, we tend to think about Holly, uh, the Holly mm-hmm. School of uh, in Germany and the outgrowth of that, the Moravian sort of movements. Um and the fact that your piety is what's leading to your your right. salvation. But there were different strains of pietism in the 19th century. And, you know, uh, people make a good good case that, that even Walther uh, mm-hmm. fell into yeah. uh, a pietist camp, just not pietism the way we would. But yeah. I mean, that you see day, it with the, the herds, 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 herds all throughout Walther, you know, yeah. with, or the true faith or... Right. Yeah, there's, I, and and that's not to fault Walther either, but it's you know from the heart, true faith, sincerely confess. Right. You can you can still see it there. Right, and 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 so, 
but there, there were these different camps of, of pietism. And, and the one that, you know, kind of takes its roots with, with uh, Quartal that comes out of Germany was Württemberg, which was also uh, a, a huge influence on, on Theodor Klefot, who, who uh, ordained Kramer, who started Fort Wayne Seminary. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and there's, is, is it the chapel named Leia. after? There's something Kramer there. Yeah, there's, but it's it's named after the people who donated the land. Ah, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> different, different Kramer, ah. but yeah, um, yeah, Augustus Kramer. I think it was Augustus Kramer. I think Augustus was his first name. Um, not the dude on Seinfeld, by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, he, he, the uh, he he came over. He was some of uh, Leahy's Sen, uh, Louis Sendlinger. You know, came over to start the uh, the Franken move. Okay on all that up in Michigan uh, up on my old stomping grounds. Yeah. And, uh, so he was, he was part of that early on and then, uh, noticed a need for a seminary and ended up starting a seminary there in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, two years before the Missouri Synod even came into existence. So it was, it's an older seminary than, than, uh, St. Louis, which is maybe why we were there. Um, huh. you know, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, the the Württemberg School had this emphasis on biblical scholarship and also had, you know, some crazy end time stuff that you find with Lua, you find even yeah, with yeah. Lenski and stuff like that. But, you know, kind of a post-millennial out view of things. Um, but uh, they didn't have this this emphasis on an internal experience in fact what what marked their pietism is is a lot what we call orthodoxy it was this this uh this idea that that the priesthood or the 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 pastoral office um was 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 divinely instituted that god had instituted it jesus had instituted it for a purpose and it wasn't sort of a nice accessory that you might have but it was outside of your small group studies. Yeah, you yeah, occasionally it, say hi to pastor. Right. It was it was necessary for for the life of the church that you have pastors, um, and and then and then the sacramental life of the church was really important in in, in those circles, um, and that's that's what influences Quartel. Uh, whereas Rosinius was sort of like the Billy Graham of the day. He could he could deliver atonement um, in his sermons, uh, but there was sort of a he didn't really, you know, have this emphasis on on church life. It was sort of me and Jesus, uh, and and so uh, that's what attracted Bo Yurts then to to Hartau, uh, and, and that what they call in Sweden West Coast Pietism, um, and uh, you know we're fifteen seventeen here. It's West Coast Orthodoxy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I mean, this is a West Coast Lutheran. I mean, it's great stuff here. Uh, but uh, you know, there, you know, they, they had this this tradition of a robust church life um, that he noticed was lacking in other parts of Sweden. Huh. Uh, so he he latches onto that, and uh, yeah, so that was kind of you know his his conversion experience, and and from that, you know, he really had. Uh, or I shouldn't say experience, but the 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 uh, story of where he got from being an atheist to being this this bishop and this pastor that really cared about people. Um, yeah, and and you see that too, not just caring about the laity, but um, if you 
maybe to listeners, if they're ever interested in what I think is just a great gift for uh, a pastor who's about to be ordained in his first call, um, then fell the Lord's fire, which you have translated in uh, a collection of ordination sermons and just phenomenal there in his, his concern for pastors too, that they recognize they're not called to be the second Jesus. Um, They're not called to give something to their prisoners they don't need, but a real rootedness um, in in what it is to be, um, you know, one who is in need of grace, who is also called to be a steward of it. And so, uh, you know, that's definitely a book that Brewer has done that is worth worth checking out. Maybe Brewer, um, a little bit, what a... Does he do commentaries on most of the books of the Bible, or does he just pick a select few? Why why Romans? Well, so actually, um, you know, when he started studying at, at, at Uppsala, when he started studying theology, he studied under a man by the name of Anton Friedrichsen, um, who, and not too many people really know who he was, but he was very influential through his students. Um, men like, uh, oh, uh, Bo Reiki. I'll just leave it there. Um, yeah. Bo Reiki, who, who was a pastor at Basel or a, a professor at Basel and actually was, uh, Dr. Weinrich's, uh, at Fort Wayne. Really? It was, huh. it was his doctor father. Um, Anton Friedrichsen, uh, started to break with higher criticism and 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 liberal theology, especially uh, New Testament, and and I mean he was friends with with Rudolf Bultmann and and all these other you know he studied Bultmann under, known for the demythologizing of the yeah. of the New Testament. You know he he studied with those guys. He studied you know with Harnack. He he knew these guys intimately. Um, but he started seeing the problems with their their thing. And I, I was just reading one of his essays, and he's like, the gospel cannot be preached on the basis of liberal exegesis. Just brilliant. Um, and a lot of crossover there with the Sasa episode we recorded the other day then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's uh, he, he's seeing this this problem there. And and not only that, but he starts seeing that the, the, the presuppositions behind the higher criticism is just wrong because his 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 uh, his his doctoral dissertation at at uh, Strasbourg was on uh, was on the problem of miracle in the New Testament and the problem was is that these miracles happened and you can't just say that you know this was like later edition of legend um, there's no explanation these things happened and now you have to wrestle with it. so he sees that um, and and he starts teaching. Uh, you know, the, his students and Bo Geertz, uh, foremost among them, really, uh, you know, how to read the New Testament to see what's going on and, and, and make it real for the people. So, and Bo Geertz will later say that, that uh, you know, his whole entire ministry, uh, he meant to do nothing but, but give to the people what he learned under, under Anton Friedrichsen. Hmm. But, you know, this heavy exegetical thing, well, one of the things that he knew uh, about the laity is they have a hard time reading their Bibles. Um, they're intimidating. And, uh, and, and it's a different time. It's a different era. Um, and oftentimes us pastors don't realize what we're asking people when we say, you know, you should really just read your Bible. Yeah. Um, 
I don't, I don't know that it's got any less intimidating for people. It can be um, a daunting task for someone to... Um, that doesn't mean to undermine the clarity of Scripture, but you're, you're definitely, um, for many people, you're asking them to step into terminology and context and illustrations and things that, you know, um, even just think of the lost sheep. Uh, well, you got to understand why they cared about sheep. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. So uh, his answer to that was to, uh, one, translate the New Testament into modern Swedish uh, during the, the late 70s and the early 80s, and then write commentaries on each one of the books. Um, and they're, they're really devotional-type commentaries. They're, they're meant to be uh, kind of read, you know, maybe chapter by chapter, section by section. Um, it reminds with, me of a book, uh, A Path Strewn with Sinners. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that book's overrated, I think. Yeah, I heard it's yeah. not very good. <laughs> but... Uh, but I think as you're getting in here, bro, it's it's written to be accessible. This is not something for a pastor to buy and put on a shelf for a tech study for a sermon. This is something for everyone to be able to dig into. Right. Except, I'll, 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 but I'll say this. You know, the pastor is going to benefit from these commentaries greatly because they 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 lend themselves to homiletical. Uh, exposition so when you know a pastor goes and he looks for at a commentary uh for for uh you know help on what am i going to preach on sunday and uh, you know i mean commentaries man uh, a lot of them can be snoozers in my opinion because you, you go there and you you want to read it for this and you know the guy goes uh three pages on you know some parsing of this is an ap- exegetical kai right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it's spending three pages you know, you know discussing is, that. And, and you, you you spend four hours reading the commentary and you fell asleep six times. And there's, you know, and there's no meat there. There's nothing that you, you know, you might understand the grammatic of of the text, but you're you're not really getting any meat. And and with the with these, you know, he he cuts out all of that, and there's there's just meat there. It's it's uh, very much he's going at the law gospel distinctions and and really kind of trying to drive it home as to you know what the what's what should the impact be on on a person here and taking that. It it sounds like then with um being influenced by his mentor and himself wanting to dig into the scriptures and to be an exegete um, and to understand what the scriptures are after and especially for preaching, I guess that kind of probably answers to a good extent why Romans. It seems like a natural place if you're trying to work through law and gospel on things, uh, probably one of the most natural places to start. Yeah, and and the thing was is I had finished up translating his commentary on Romans because I was doing a Bible study at my church and that was one of those things. Um, and so uh, we, we were kind of trying to figure out how we were going to introduce these commentaries. And it just turned out that Romans was done. Let's put this one out as a feeler, um, you know, kind of, you know, put it out there, let, get people excited, see what it is, you know, that we're doing. Um and then when the sets come out, then they can start see, or you know, they'll they'll want to buy those too. So we got the synoptics coming out. Uh, I'm hoping this summer or something like that, but I don't know. Um, you know, but uh, we'll be I, sure to to get it up when it does come out to, yeah. to make sure it's on our, the Facebook page and Twitter and that. Yeah, his commentaries on 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 Matthew, Mark, and Luke; those are the synoptic gospels. They're, they're uh, it's using these terms that. 
you know, I, people are like, what do you mean by synoptic, Pastor? Yeah. Um, it, it means same view. So, I mean, those three Gospels really follow um, a, a very uh, similar uh, approach to writing the uh, biography of Jesus uh, that follow uh, a, a certain timeline. And then John's kind of like this outlier where he, he fills in some of the picture. But I mean, a, our Lutheran listeners, if you've heard the word synod, right, that's coming from a similar similar right, concept or right. word, this idea yeah. of we're walking together as a synod. Well, these Gospels are kind of plotting their way yeah. together through Christ's life It's and supposed ministry. to be a pilgrimage thing, but I think we make it out to be the Baton Death March. <laughs> <laughs> no one told me the gulags were at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the one place that synod is used in the, in the, in the New Testament is... Uh, is is when when Mary and Joseph are are going back home to Nazareth and they forget Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's uh, yeah, synoptic, same view. Um, so we got those coming out. I, I also have his sermons coming out here, hopefully this spring. So does uh, does he do a commentary on the Gospel according to Saint John? Yes, he does, so, and that'll come out. So you're going to save so, save the best for last? Is that the idea? I got Matthew, Mark, and Luke coming out. That's going to be one volume, and these are that makes sense. Yeah, kind okay. of separated. Peter's out. just trying to give me a hard time because we each have a gospel on the podcast. Mike has Luke, I have Mark, and he has John. So he's gloating. Okay, well, John will be in with Romans and First or Acts and First oh, Second Corinthians, okay. and then and then we go on to. Uh, you know the rest of of the the scriptures and antilegomenon, okay, whatnot like that. Um, so, so how long do you think this is all going to take you? I'm hoping not much longer than another two years. Oh, that's that's excellent. So you're still you're you're hammering hammering away pretty pretty good at this, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got John fairly well. Romans is done, of course. Uh, Acts is almost finished completely. Um, and uh, first and second Corinthians. Thing is, is uh, part of the you know it, it sounds odd. Like why would you have these in different stages of finish, right? Well, the reason is, is that um, I'm a pastor, and a lot of what I do, I try to dovetail with what I'm doing in my parish, and so um, I've, I've translated a lot of this stuff, like translated the gospel. The, for the upcoming week i would just translate mm -hmm. you know if it was going to be mark or if it was going to be john or something like that uh and then i would maybe do a bible study and i would translate you know the the whole sure. thing or whatever um and so you know i kind of have it all in pieces here and pieces there and now i'm just trying to you know glue them together and, and put them back so on a different episode we we talked a little bit about like the process of translating everything and I'm, I'm sure we asked this question but just curious it just comes to mind now again is as you translate more especially the same author um in the same language are you it's, does it become significantly easier is it become yeah. i mean like the fluidity with which you translate and then also are you happier with the product as that you know because yeah, of that yeah i i you know um yeah i have to say that that's definitely true uh, you know, um, it, it's some of the earlier stuff that I translated, I translated it because I absolutely had to in order to actually read it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I absolutely had to have it translated. Um, 
And so I had to do the translating work so that then I could read it. I mean, as yeah, odd as yeah. that sounds, right? Yeah, yeah. no, I, uh, I remember in the, my first year in graduate school, I was um, writing a paper and I found this article in German that I was, I was just sure it was kind of right on the mark of wanting to write on. And I, I was trying to just read it in German, and um, my German wasn't good enough, and so I ended up translating the whole thing, and just so I could so I could read it. So right. I could get so, that totally. you know, and, and and then you you know you take the time to all those words that you had to look up, you you memorize them or yeah. you remember them better or whatever, and you know now today you know I, I pick up this doctoral dissertation on Geertz that a friend of mine did in in Oboe last year, Oboe Finland, which is a uh, it, it, most of us know it as Turku. But uh, Swedes, that's we have... How, that's how I know it. Yeah. <laughs> Swedes, we have different names for all the towns and, and whatnot in Sweden because it, Finland was Sweden. And so there's a lot of Swedish-speaking people there, and, and they have just two different names for the towns. Um, so Obo is a university that, that really deals with, with Swedish speakers more than it does Finnish, hmm. but it's in Turku, um, and they, it's the same town. Um, anyway, my Finnish friend actually did his dissertation there in Swedish, uh, dude's awesome. Uh, Anzi, um, and, uh, you know, I pick it up and I'm just like reading it and, and, you know, I don't, I don't need to translate it anymore. I do just because, you know, I, I want other people to be able to read yeah. it too. But, uh, you know, it's like, you know, do for, for the purposes of doing a paper, I can just read it pull out the quote, cite it, and, you know, I could leave it in Swedish if I wanted to, or maybe I'll put it into English for the benefit of my professor, or maybe I'll just, uh, you know, whoever's doing it, uh, reading it, or maybe I'll just leave it in Swedish to just kind of be, and I'm smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, and we don't want to keep it too long, Bora, but one of the things... I don't know. I think we hit on, but maybe didn't bring out as much in the last episodes on Geertz, and maybe just kind of a kind of as we we wrap up some thoughts for why Geertz is valuable for um, pastors and laity alike for for people in 2018 to be reading. Um, Geertz is is not a, a pastor and a bishop in the church in an easy time. Um, this is a time of a of controversy in the church. Every age tends to bring its own. And one of the things I know that you've brought out that I've found beneficial from reading Geertz, especially as you've brought it out, is uh, is Geertz as a churchman. And the fact that Geertz could um, call a, a thing what it is, he could mm-hmm. take a stand, um, but not in a way that he became combatant or belligerent and got in the way of his position, actually led people to say, well, that guy's just a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. But to try to be clear and loving at the same time, and and maybe just uh, if you have anything on that, that that you know that for, we need churchmen today. We need people who are able to be um, clear and yet not uh, not unnecessarily off-putting. Maybe. Yeah, and I mean that's been beneficial to me. Uh, it, it's, uh, I mean. I, I don't know. You know, I was joking earlier about the Baton Death March thing, but uh, I think sometimes in in our our confessional circles, uh, Lutheran circles, we can 
we can get a us versus them mentality uh and you know we want to shoot the stragglers um you know if you're not lockstep marching uh you know are you really walking together if you're not marching on france um sort of idea behind this sort of thing and and uh you know and then we get into fights with each other and you know i'm still not nearly as good at um you know not not going down into the gutter uh with uh, with the the fights i mean sometimes you just like that for whatever reason and that's that's a sinful part of me that i need to really extricate but he he did he had a way of just having a very solid backbone he wasn't you know he he would think through his issues um but people could insult him and uh he he took it very hard uh but he 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 tried also very hard never to dish it back and that's you know that's the thing is uh you know to, to learn is okay you know what we can have our disagreements but you know when we start doing this and i think a lot of us think we're taking up luther and we don't understand luther's time or anything like that uh either um you know and maybe there's there's a time for that you know if if you have an opponent that or you know that that's you're you're just kind of going back and forth and you don't have to take it seriously um but uh you know, you're, you're doing it for the entertainment value, you know, kind of like WWF wrestlers or whatever, um, you know, where, where they, you, you, I mean, you know, those guys are drinking a beer at the end of the day together, yep, yep. but they're, you know, it, it's all a script, right? Um, you know, they, they don't mean it. Well, maybe there's something to that if you have somebody like that. But a lot of times we, we just kind of go after each other with, you, with you end up and wanting to hurt the person instead of, uh, you know, be clear on the the issue or the matter at stake and and, and bring them around yeah yeah and it i mean it's it it's obviously not my spiritual gift either um to be able to be so tactful always i and i think that's the reason i, I find Garrett's helpful is we sometimes forget how easily we actually distract from the very case we're trying to make um and undermine our conf- you know i don't why should someone want to take my message seriously um, if I'm coming across as a, a grade A jackass, right? And yeah. and uh, and so oh, we could say jackass on on online. Or on, I thought that podcast? one was acceptable. I think is that it, one was okay. Is yeah. that on yeah. or not? I thought that's in the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but you know, we uh, and, and then we can almost cloak that in. We'll now see someone. I'm being persecuted for my position. No, you're being abrasive and. And people are are disagreeing with you now simply because of you're being disagreeable, and I think um, you know there's an amazing amount of good that someone is able to do when maybe they do take it hard as you said Geertz did, but they 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 try to turn the other cheek to not dish it back um, for the sake of the very thing they're standing up for, so as to not undermine the thing they're trying to convince someone else is good or worth listening to. Yeah, one of, one of his essays, you know, in, in Then Fell the Lord's Fire is about loving your brother. 
And it's, it's about, you know, your brother pastors, really, you know, how to love your brother pastors. And he talks about, you know, you, you get into these arguments. Sometimes you, you think the guy's not even a Christian because he has this weird, whacked out position or whatever. And uh, he's not being very Christian to you. And, and he's like, but I mean, we need to remember that it's precisely because they're our enemies that we're supposed to love them. That's what our yeah. Lord told us to do. <laughs> you know, Oh, I mean, he could come home with the law on that stuff yeah, really yeah. well. Um, but uh, he also brings it back around to the gospel. Yeah, no, and I, I, I'd encourage our listeners to check that out. We've been uh, blessed to uh, to be able to to spend some time with Brewer out here and to get him on two episodes with us. And so we, we thank him for his time and, and for the work he is doing with Garrett's. I'm sure we'll try to... Uh, to Skype sometime in the future to get you on again. It's uh, our listeners enjoy it, and I enjoy the conversation. We'll be sure to get up when the book on the synoptics comes out uh, and share that. But encourage you, uh, if you're interested, in, in maybe in your home devotions, you're reading through Romans um, as a complimentary or a supplementary rebook to be uh, maybe making the most of would be Garrett's Romans commentary. Very accessible English. You can get that through 1517 through New Reformation publications. Uh, so if you're uh, checking out Let the Bird Fly on 1517's page, it's just a click or two away. Um, and we encourage you to check that out. And so thank you, Brewer, for all you've been doing with that. Peter, I'll wait to see if you have anything before we uh, set Brewer up with the line. Hopefully he remembers. Yeah, just just an encouragement to pastors, too. You know, as, as Brewer was saying, the, you know, oftentimes... Uh, uh, Geertz is, is writing, you know, to to pastors, and so this these uh, these commentaries seem like they're just kind of right up that uh, right up that oh, yeah. alley and become really helpful. So make sure to check that out. And Brewer, let us know when as as new stuff comes out, even if we don't don't have uh, don't have you on for it, so we can make sure to put it out on our on our web page and let let our listeners know that it's out there too. So yeah, awesome. And I guess in the meanwhile, uh, if you're not reading Geertz yet, which you should be, um, Brewer, what would you say they can still do? Let the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get with my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a tanker. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. One more round won't get me down.